Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Tonight, I want to speak on a topic which many pastors, I believe, are shying away from speaking about these matters, even though these matters make up a large part of our life, and that is the financial uh, sphere of our lives or the financial area. And I want to talk to you about living without debt, living a life that is free from debt. I cannot tell you the joy that I experience so often knowing that I don't owe anyone anything. I can walk into the store. I don't have to bother about how expensive things are. If I need something, I will purchase it without having a second thought about it because I'm debt free. And it's a wonderful feeling uh, when you know what you own, what you have doesn't belong to the bank or any financial institution. You know that the Lord is the one who blessed you with him, and you are so grateful and thankful that you can walk without owing anyone anything. Romans chapter 13 and verse 8 says, Owe no man anything except to love. It's a wonderful state to be in. And I want to assure you tonight that and leave no room, no, no room for doubt in your mind that God, our Heavenly Father, wants his people to live independently of the world's financial systems by trusting him to provide for all of our needs. You know, we often sing Jehovah Jireh, he is my provider. And it's time that we make him as such our provider without having to depend or go to the financial institutions for the things that we need in life. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. And in order to lay a foundation that I'm just not speaking out of my head and, uh, and, and imagine these things, these very statements that I am making are coming out from the very Bible, the one that we say we put our faith in, of the Holy Scriptures, the foundation of our faith. And so I'm going to put several scriptures on the screen that will prove to you of this very fact that God is interested in your financial affairs. In fact, God is interested about every area of our lives, spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, relationally, socially. There is not one single area of our lives that God is not interested in. And he wants us to learn how to depend and trust him for our every need. He is the one who said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Not according to the financial situation this world is experiencing. And no matter what this world is experiencing, whether it's a recession, whether it's a depression, because we're not of this world. We live in another kingdom. 
We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are born from above. We come from another country. And in the country of our origin, there is no lack. There is no recession, no matter what goes on here. And God is endeavoring through his word and by the leading of his spirit to shift our confidence from the well systems into God's financial system. And I'm going to share with you some of these principles that have helped me to make that shift 40 years ago. And thank God, he's the one who led me. He's the one who provides for me. He is he alone is my provider, not any financial institution. When I need something, this is my motto. When I have a need, I sow a seed. I keep watering that seed until that seed produces the harvest that God promises. He said, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold return. And folks, listen to me. The word always works. You need to remember that. You need to believe that. And you need to stake your life on that. God's word always works. When we take the seed of the word and we plant it into our heart, provided that our heart is sensitive and receptive, we receive that word with meekness, we meditate on that word, then we step out in faith and we practice what the word says, you will see that the word always works and the word will always produce. For it is the Lord who said, my word will not return unto me void, but will accomplish that which I please and it will prosper in the thing with two I sent it. Just as the rain and the snow come from heaven, water the earth so that the earth can produce, even so my word does the same. So that's why I love the word of God. I'm a lover of the word of God. I meditate. I study the word. I don't just read it. I study it in detail. Every area, every sphere of your lives, you should know what the word of God says and practice it and live by it. It is Jesus who said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. Are you still with me? Praise God. So let's look at some of these scriptures that I'm going to put on the screen. My, uh, my scripture reader, Natasha, I love, I love the way she reads. I'm going to ask her to read Matthew chapter 6. This is the first one we're going to look at, verse 31 to 33. Thank you, Natasha. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Amen. This is the Lord Jesus himself speaking to us. I won't comment on this verse until later on. Let's go to the next one. In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22, and we're going to read it from the English Standard Version. Thank you, Natasha. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. What a wonderful word from the Lord. His blessing makes us rich. 
And the wonderful thing about it, it says it adds no sorrow to it. When the world makes you rich, there's much sorrow attached to it, labor and tears and heartache, but not the blessing of the Lord. Praise God. Let's go to the next one. Psalm 35, verse 27 from the Amplified Classic. Let those who favor my righteous cause and have pleasure in my uprightness shout for joy and be glad and say continually, let the Lord be magnified. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Please note the fact that God takes pleasure not in the poverty, but in the prosperity of his servant. God delights in seeing his people prosper in every sphere of life, spiritually, mentally, physically, and financially. That is God's ultimate good, your prosperity in every area of your life. And let's look at one more, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. This is one of my favorite verses throughout the years. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Oh, hallelujah. These very scriptures that we've read, and I counsel you to study them for yourself, prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants you and I to live a debt-free life. In fact, he says that his grace is able to make all things abound toward you that you always, not sometimes, always having all sufficiency, not some sufficiency, all sufficiency in all things. Notice how many times the scriptures repeat the word all, A-double-L, all things, all grace, all sufficiency, that you may have an abundance for every good work. This is the will of God for you and I. I have stood on this verse of scripture for years, and I have seen the fulfillment of this very scripture, that God is able. Will you believe him? Will you trust him that he's able to do this for you? If you do, in due season, you will see the fulfillment of this very promise. But you're going to have to believe him for it. Amen. It is the will of God for his people to live debt free. It is his will also that, that, that he becomes the provider of every need in our lives. And that includes the financial side of things. Now, here's the question that I will answer for you. Why does God want us to be debt-free? First of all, the Bible says that the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a servant or a slave to the lender. And last week I mentioned to you, the Bible says, let him work with his good, let him who stole steal no more, 
but work that which is good with his hands, that he may have something to give to him who has need. It doesn't say that you may have something to pay your, your debts. So it is the will of God for us to be debt free. Why? First of all, for your testimony. It is a wonderful testimony for you and I to be debt free. We, we proclaim through this, through this state, that God is my provider. He is my all-sufficiency. He provides my every need. I don't have to run to any bank or any financial institution. When I have a need, God meets my need and he shows me how to trust and to believe him. First of all, for a good testimony. It's a good testimony when you don't have any, when you don't owe anybody anything except to love them. Second, this is also very important, so that his people may be liberal in generosity. God wants you to be generous, very generous. Amen. It is the will of God for the church to be liberal in generosity, to minister financially, first of all, to those who labor in the word, according to the scripture, also to minister financially to the poor, to minister financially to the widow and to the orphan. The Bible teaches us to look after the widow, the orphan, and the poor. It is not primarily the government's responsibility to take care of the poor. It is the church's responsibility. Hello? Are you still with me? Raise your hand when you hear something that just bears witness with your spirit. Let me have a sign that you are in agreement. It's like you saying amen. I know you can't turn on your microphone, but you can say amen with your hand. Hallelujah. Praise God. You will find scripture after scripture in the Bible that teaches us to never forget or neglect the poor, the widow, and the orphan. On this very issue, the Lord taught me many years ago. I was just a young Christian. I didn't have the finance to do what I wanted to do, but it was always a desire of my heart. The desire of my heart was to set a budget and every month to put into that budget a certain percentage of my income that was dedicated to helping and ministering to the poor. I couldn't do it then. But I started believing God and I started trusting him to provide those funds that I may be able to take care of the poor. And he showed me the wonderful promises that are attached to the people that are considering and taking care of the poor. Here is a verse of scripture that's very significant and very powerful concerning what I'm sharing with you right now concerning the poor. Psalm 41, verses 1 through 3. Look at it. Thank you, Natasha. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed on the earth. He will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sickbed. 
Hallelujah. What a promise from God to those, he says, who consider the poor. The Lord will preserve them. The Lord will keep them alive and they will be blessed on the earth. Why? Because they consider the poor. And furthermore, here is a promise from Almighty God. He will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will protect you from your enemies. The Lord will strengthen you on the bed of illness. When you're sick, the Lord will strengthen you. He will sustain you on your sickbed. Why? Because you took care of the poor. Because you did not neglect the poor in your life. What a powerful promise from God. Let's look at another promise. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17. Thank you, Natasha. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Wow. Did you hear that? Did you read that? He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. And the day came when the desire of my heart came to pass. And I, many years ago, I set a budget and I created an account that was specifically for the needs of the poor. And every month to this day, I subtract a certain amount of my income and put it into that budget. So when the need arises, when I see a need, I love to give. I think it is it is more blessed, the Bible says, to give than to receive. Uh, I just love to bless people, bless my family, bless my children, bless my grandchildren, bless those that are that are in my sphere of influence. So when the need arises, I don't have to go look for the funds. They already there. What a joy. I just I just. I'm just thrilled to be able to do that. Thanks be to God. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just praising God that I'm able to do that. And I believed him to grant me that desire of my heart. I tell you, there's no greater joy than blessing someone and helping them in their time of need. Here is another uh, word from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 21 verse 13. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. Wow. Wow. That is a warning. So, God wants us to be generous, liberal in generosity. Praise the Lord. Praise God forevermore. You know, in order for the church to be able to do this, to be generous, to be hospitable and merciful, we cannot be generous or merciful to anyone if we are head over heels in debt. Do you agree with that statement? You have to pay your debts. <laughs> Amen. So you, we can't be generous. We can't take care of the poor, the widow, the orphan. We can't minister uh, to the house of God, take care of the men of God who labor in the word if we are head over heels in debt. So you see, debt is a killer to our generosity. 
That's why God wants us to be debt free. Imagine, if you will, just for a moment, that if the whole church, and I'm talking about the universal church, was debt free, the financial, imagine the financial resources that we would, that would be available to be invested into the kingdom of God. Can you imagine that? That if you had no debt, no house debt, no car debt, no furniture debt, no student loan, and, 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 and the, the salary that you got or the income is all yours to disperse. Wow. Can you imagine what resources we would be able to invest into the kingdom of God? Imagine, imagine for a moment, please, how many full-time workers would the church be able to send into the mission field? Wow. When I think of these things, uh, and you know, this is one of the burdens of my heart. I know there are people who are called into the ministry but they cannot afford to go into the ministry because they have the, the church has no financial resources to release them. They have to go and work to make a living to support the families. But their calling is not in the marketplace. Their calling is in the ministry. And my heart aches for those people. Because I know what it is like when you have the fire of God burning in your bosom and you want to preach the word, you want to study the word, you want to pray, but you can't because you have financial obligations to meet and because the church cannot afford to release you and send you into the mission field. I recall the years that my son Stephen was working in a marketplace for a software company. And I, I would watch him at times that, and I would see how depleted and exhausted he was from working such long hours and even till midnight because there was a breakdown or because the clients required it. There was no time for him to study the word. There was no time for him to pray, to seek God, to wait on God. And the very, the very life was, was drained out of him, squeezed out of him because of the overload and the pressures of the work that was upon him. My heart went out to him. Thank God the day came when in one of our services, the Spirit of God came upon me and in the name of Jesus, I cut him loose from that place and he was released to step onto the field of ministry. But you know what? If we didn't have the financial resources to support him, we would not have been able to do that. And I still recall the scripture the Lord had given me the day he was cut loose from the labor, from the slavery and the oppression that he was in into the place that he was working. This is the world, folks. The marketplace want to squeeze everything out of you that they can get. Psalm 81 verse 6. What a beautiful verse of scripture. Psalm 81, verse 6. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from the baskets. Oh, hallelujah. That's the verse of scripture the Lord gave me the day 
I called Stephen out of the marketplace onto the ministry and gave him a platform to move on that platform, to exercise his gifts and talents, to have time to pray, to have time to seek the Lord, to study the word, to look after his family. Whereas before he didn't have time to look after properly of his family. What a blessing. We would not have been able to do that unless we had the financial resources to support him. Thanks be to God, first of all, and to the generosity of his people. We have some wonderful people in our ministry from all over the world. They are so generous. They are givers. They are tithers. They offer the offerings. They support this ministry. And thank God for the decision I made years ago when I came to Cape Town. And I say to the church 30 years ago, this is the principle that my wife and I lived for many years. And this is the principle I want our church to live on. No debts. We will not borrow a cent in this ministry. If God wants a building, he can finance it. And we know what? He did finance the building. He paid cash for it. God did. We don't know. If we, if we had a debt on that building, we would not be able to employ and release ministers of the gospel. In our small ministry, we've got seven full-time people in the ministry, both here and for the international ministry. Why? Because we are debt-free, folks. We don't owe anybody anything. And if God wants something, he pays for it. Praise God. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why I wonder sometimes how many of God's dear servants are out of the ministry today due to a lack of financial resources? How many are laboring day and night in a place they're not even meant to be simply because they have to in order to support the families? Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, can we have that scripture up, please, Stephen? Matthew 9, 37 and 38. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. You know something? Let me say this to you, my brother, my sister. God, as powerful and knowledgeable as he is, he cannot do one single thing without the cooperation of his church, which is you and me. He cannot. Uh, some people say, God can do anything. No, he can't. God cannot lie. And he has chosen to work through his body, the church. And though he's all powerful, and though he's all knowledgeable, he cannot do one single thing. Can your head do anything without your body? Of course not. Cut your head off and see. 
He cannot do one single thing without the cooperation of his body. And one of the primary ways the devil cripples the church in her mission is by choking her financial resources. That's one of the major attacks of the enemy against the church. When people withhold the giving, they cripple their church from doing what God commissioned the church to do, from releasing full-time workers to go and minister to the harvest fields, to send out missionaries where the need is. And so believers ought to be very mindful of this and diligently seek God's face to obtain the wisdom needed and the strategy that is needed in order to avoid the debt trap. Because it's a trap. And work towards financial independence. It is the will of God for you to be financially independent. Number one, for the sake of your testimony. Number two, because God wants you to be super generous to support the man of God, to support the widow, to support the orphan, and to minister to the poor. That is the will of God. That's true religion, folks. Say amen. Praise God. Now, let me give you a warning here. When you start believing these words that I'm sharing with you, be prepared. Be prepared to be vehemently resisted in this area. The devil will fight you. He will fight you tooth and nail on these principles. So you need to be ready and you need to stand your ground, resisting him every step of the way. When you start believing this way, to be debt free, to be financially independent, to begin to sow seeds towards your financial freedom, the devil will try to stop you. Remember what Jesus said. When the word is sown, there is a group of people that receive it with joy. They get so excited. But when persecution and affliction arises for the word's sake, they get offended and they fall away. Because any area of your life, you step out to believe God, whether it's health and healing, whether it's financial freedom, whether it's relational restoration, any area you start believing God for, that's the area that is going to resist you tooth and nail. And you've got to be able to stand your ground. You've got to be able to keep doing what you know to do, for in due season, the Bible says. And God knows when that due season is. In due season, you will reap if you do not fail. Most believers faint during time of affliction and persecution because because they endeavor to put the word into practice. I've experienced this many times. You preach the word, you start believing, and the enemy comes against you. You start believing for divine health, divine healing, guess where he's going to attack you? In your body. But you need to stand your ground. Praise God forevermore. Stand your ground, believe the word, declare the word, 
practice the word regardless of what it feels like, what it looks like, no matter if it gets worse. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by feelings. Glory to God forevermore. Amen. The devil, every morning I look at the mirror and the devil tells me, you say you're healed. You're not healed. Look at your eye. You're not healed. I said, you know what I do? I just start laughing. <laughs> Even when I don't feel like it. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm laughing at you, Mr. Devil. You said I'm not going to get my healing. Hallelujah. I'm not going to get it. Why would I get something that I already got? I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. My body is a bit slow in receiving the revelation. But I have my healing in my spirit. It is in my heart and in my mouth. For I believe with my heart and I declare with my mouth the truth of the word of God that I have been healed by the stripes of Jesus and there is no demon in hell who can keep me sick. Hallelujah. So believe along with me and rejoice with me because I am healed 100%. Not 90%, 100%. And I decree and declare that. So be prepared to be resisted in any area you are endeavoring to believe God. Keep declaring God's promises over your finances. Keep striving for it. If you don't reach for the moon, you're not going to hit anything. Reach. God is great, and he says he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all and beyond what you think or believe or, or, or pray or what you imagine. That's what the scripture says. You know, you have a mortgage for 20 years, 25, 30 years. Why not believe God to finish it in 10 years, in five years? Why must you slay for 30 years? Well, what must I do, pastor? Seek the wisdom of God to give you a plan. He always has a plan for your life. And he has one for your financial situation. He's able. Are you able to believe? Amen. Why must you pay payments three, four, five years for that car? Why not believe God that you're going to finish it in one year, in two years? You see, if you don't talk to God about these things, God is not going to talk to you about it. Amen. He's a gentleman. But when you start talking to him about these things, he will talk to you about them. He will show you. He will guide you. The Bible says when the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will give you a strategy, a plan. When I wanted to buy a new car for my wife, I said, Lord, I know what my wife wants and I know it's not cheap. So I'm asking you to give me a plan. Give me a strategy. And the spirit began to lead and guide me. He said, sow this amount of money into that place. I did. And after a few months, I received the harvest. And I went to the car dealer. He said, how do you want to pay for it? I said, cash. He looked at me wide-eyed. As Brother Hagan says, like a cow at a new gate, I said, I'm paying cash for it. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. And I drove it out debt free. No one in nine years, I said last week, we purchased three cars, cash. We don't know. We don't believe in borrowing. God is our provider. God is my financier. He's my banker. 
just like he's my healer. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you still out there? I want to encourage you. I want to inspire you. I want you to reach out for the highest and the best that God has for you. Amen. Now, you see, I'm looking at my watch and I don't think I'm going to have time to share, but maybe I'm going to share. I'm going to share five principles with you that I have gleaned from the word of God. I live by these five principles for over 40 years. I have seen the goodness of God as I engage these principles with my faith and the wisdom of God leading me and guiding me how to apply these principles. And I am where I am today, debt free. Now, I've been debt free for many years. My wife and I don't believe in borrowing. I'm going to share one of these five next week. I'll conclude. Principle number one. This is a foundational principle in the kingdom of God. And it is found in Matthew 6.33. We already read it. Let's look at it again. Thank you, Natasha. And seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Remember this. Every promise in the Bible is conditional. You need to know that. And Jesus himself said, this, these words came out of the mouth of the master. Seek first, not second, not third, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you pursue the interests of the kingdom far above all, you make that your priority in every sphere of life. Jesus promised that all these things shall be added to you. What things is he talking about? If you look at the verses further up, it talks about food, it talks about drink, it talks about clothing, it talks about shelter. All these things, the things that you and I need to live in this world will be added to us when we make the kingdom of God and the interests of the kingdom our first priority. He will add to you. And when God adds, the Bible says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. It adds no sorrow to it. There will be no sorrow attached to the blessing of God. So you need to examine your life. Is Jesus the Lord of my life? Is he first in my life? Is the kingdom of God my first priority? Am I pursuing the interests of the kingdom of God? In every decision we make, we should first ask the question, how will this benefit the kingdom of God? Is my life honoring God? Am I honoring his financial principles? Am I a giver or am I withholding what belongs to the Lord? Do I value what God values? Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. There it is. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat 
the good of the land. That's God's promise. So I've endeavored always to ask this question, even as a pastor. When I want to make a decision, I always ask, how will this affect my congregation? If I do this, how how will the kingdom of God benefit? Will my testimony still be intact? You know, some people, without even considering asking the Lord, they just jump into decisions. They make life-altering decisions without even talking to God about it without even considering what God's will is. If you're going to live that way, you're going to suffer the consequences. Amen. You take this in reverse. The promise is, seek first the kingdom of God and his right. All these things shall be added to you. What if you don't seek the kingdom of God? These things will not be added to you. You're going to have to sweat to get them. You're going to have to borrow to get them. Are you listening to me? This is the promise. God's kingdom comes first. And before I conclude, I want to give you a scriptural example of people who make the decision to neglect the house of God. They were making all sorts of excuses why they couldn't build the house of God. And you know, they were able to. But the priorities were all wrong. And I want you to listen to what happens to them when they decided not to put God's kingdom first as their first priority. And I want Natasha, it's a bit, it's a it's quite a lengthy verse of scripture, but it carries tremendous lessons for us today. Listen and listen carefully and read it together with Natasha. Thank you. And the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up in the hills and bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take my pleasure in it and be on it, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses. It's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I've called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Wow. These folks were under God's judgment, as you can clearly see from these scriptures we read. God's people brought this calamity upon themselves because the priorities were all wrong. They put the interests first before the kingdom of God. And they were making so many excuses why they could not build the house of God. Let me ask you a question. What is the house of God today in this dispensation that we live? 
The house of God is none other than the church of the living God. That is where God dwells. He dwells within us, within his church, within his body. And if we do not put that, that concern first, to seek first his kingdom, to seek how to edify the church, how to build up the church, how to support the church financially, we can expect the same thing that's happened to these people. Are you listening to me? Neglecting to take care of God's house, which in today's dispensation is not a building, but the church, which is his body, will bring about the same results. How do you build God's house? By being actively involved in serving God, serving his people with our time, with our talents, and with our treasure. Remember what Malachi says? Bring all the tithes into the store, all the tithes, not some of it, all the tithes into the storehouse, that there might be what? Meet in my house. Listen, folks, you need to understand that when we put God's house first, our needs are met, more than met. Many years ago, when I stepped out into the ministry, and I said to the Lord, Lord, I have no business any longer. You commanded me to sell my business, go into the ministry. I had no promise from anyone. No church, no organization promised me a salary. I stepped out in faith and I said, Lord, how am I going to take care of my young family? Three children, a wife. And the Lord said this to me, you take care of my house, son, and I'll take care of yours. Wow. That is the promise that God has been faithfully fulfilling more than 40 years. He's been taking care of my house because I will not allow, I will not allow anything, anything to come between God and, my, and, and the will of God from my life. I will serve the Lord in good times, in bad times. I will serve the Lord in the winter and in summer and whatever comes on. His will comes first. And I recall in 1980 when the government changed in Zimbabwe and, and the black government came into power, all our friends and, uh, and the white people were so scared. They were panicking. They were selling everything for nothing. They were leaving the country. The education system was deteriorating. The health system was deteriorating and everybody wanted to run away. I said to my wife, because she was influenced by this fear. And she said, it's time for us to leave. I said, listen, until the Lord says go, we are staying put. The will of God is more important than my children, than the welfare of my family. I will serve God. And unless he says go, we're not going. I'm staying. And I prayed for three weeks. And after three weeks, the Lord spoke to me and he said, stay in this land and I will bless you. And I did, and he did bless us. So in every decision you make, that's the first principle. Seek God's face. Lord, how will this affect your kingdom? Will it bless your kingdom? Will it further the interests of your kingdom? Or will it take away from your kingdom? 
and base your decision on the answer you get from the Lord. Don't do anything until you pray about it. Seek the will of God. Walk in the center of the will of God. If you do, you will stay under the Lord's umbrella of divine protection and of divine provision. When you're in the center of God's will, the devil cannot touch you. You step outside of the will of God, you step into the devil's territory, and believe me, he has no mercy. Amen. Praise God. Are you with me? All right. This is our journey towards being debt free, folks, and my time is up. Almost up. We need to also some time to pray. So I'm going to close here next week. I'm going to give you the rest of the uh, principles. There's four more principles that I want you to study for yourself. One of the mistakes we make as Christians is this. We have this idea, it's a mindset problem, that by just reading a few verses every day in our Bible and by just praying a few minutes, we think we can achieve God's highest and God's best. No, you won't. Take it from the natural side of things. Before a doctor is licensed to practice his studies for years, academically, then he practices what he has studied for years, for other three years, I think, before his license to practice. What makes us think that just spending a few minutes in the Word qualifies us to believe God and to step out in faith and achieve greatness in God's sight? No, you're going to have to study for yourself. I'm going to go into this next week, so I want to elaborate any more than what I just said. You need to study for yourself what the Word says. Amen. So let's pray and conclude our lesson today. Father, thank you so much for the liberty you have given me in the Holy Spirit to share with your people your precious word. Lord, it's a wonderful thing to be financially independent. It's a wonderful feeling to owe no man anything but to love them. And I pray, Father, that everyone within the sound of my voice, they will reach out to you. They will develop a plan led by your spirit and by your wisdom. You will show them and teach them individually, just as you have promised, that when the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will teach you concerning all things. I pray you will teach them in this vitally important area. I pray that you release a spirit of generosity upon your people. And if there is anyone among us who who is holding back in this area, I pray that you would minister to them in your loving kindness and you comfort them and you reassure them that it is for the best interests. You always have best interests in heart for your people, Father. And so I close with your blessing, Lord, and I bless your people today. And I thank you for your word and I thank you for your spirit. And I thank you for everyone that has logged on tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.